Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. My name is Eddie. Um, yes, like Rafa, I'm one of the pastors here. Kelly, thank you for that Bible reading. It's, um, it's my privilege this morning to open God's word for you. And um, as I was coming this morning, I was thinking, and as... Um, as we were reminded this morning, there's probably no place on the face of the earth today where people are walking around where Jesus' birth isn't celebrated. And that just struck me as something amazing this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and then we're going to get stuck into God's word. So let's close our eyes, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that all over the world, our King Jesus is being celebrated um, Please be with us this morning as we look at your Bible, your word, and please help us see what you're trying to teach us here this morning. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, um, to lead or to rule uh, a bunch of people has probably been a desire for mankind since the dawn of time. I remember as a young kid, I wanted to be the, the captain of my rugby team, but I never got there. I always became a monitor, and I had to, you know on the corridors, keep the kids straight and narrow. But uh, um, the thing about leadership is that uh, with leadership comes quite a significant amount of power. Power to change, power to get stuff done, uh, power to do good, power to do evil. Just in this last two weeks, we saw South Africa and our leaders being portrayed or coming to the forefront. And I remember one of the uh, reporters writing in his article saying there was a power play. So all the maneuvering in the, in the NEC meeting was all about getting the right place to get the right amount of power to get things done. Uh, we don't have to cast our minds too far back um, to know that one leader in our history has taken a country to war and is still at war today. Another leader uh, almost took his country to a civil war. History, those are just two examples. History is full of leaders using their power to direct a group of people. The point is that when it comes to leadership, when it comes to someone leading, there is this power to bend people, the world, to their will. Now, many books have been written about this. I don't know about you. I was an engineer, and I studied engineering, and many books was written helping me to be a better leader. Um, oh, history books, we know history books are written for helping us to know what people did in the past, hopefully so we don't make the same mistakes. Modern books like my engineering books were helping me to become a better leader, to lead the company 
I suppose, to better heights. One of the books that stands head and shoulders above any book written about leadership is this book called the Bible. Strangely enough, this book is about one leader that has changed history so much that history is actually broken up between the time before he was born and the time after he was born. Like Carol said, we are actually celebrating this leader's birth. I asked my boys, they are history boffins, um, is there any leader that you know of that we celebrate their birth? And they actually said to me, no, we don't. But here we are today, Christmas, celebrating a leader's birth. Now, normally when it comes to a leader, when he comes to power, there is this great announcement, this great public announcement, declaring to us uh, his appointment to this office. This announcement includes something like his mandate. This is what he's come to do. And this announcement gives us the term, okay, he's going to be in power for, you know, this amount of time. And when it comes to Jesus, and I hope you saw it when Kelly read that for us, in that passage as read for us was this public announcement. When it comes to Jesus, we have exactly the same thing recorded here for us. Now, announcements like that has got a purpose. It tells us a lot about the leader, and it tells us a lot about where this leader is going to take his people. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. I hope you have your Bibles open at Luke. Uh, we're going to read that, and I hope you to, I want you to read that with me. Because this, uh, this announcement is arguably the biggest announcement that the world has ever seen and will ever see. This is an announcement or a herald from God the Father to the world, telling the world, this is my appointed leader, my appointed king. That's the first part of this announcement we're going to look at today. This announcement comes all the way from the top. There's no high authority. The shocking thing about this announcement, if you stop and pause for a moment, is the fact that you and I know about it. I don't know if you know this. We have celebrated Christmas so many years since I was born. Do you know how shocking it is that you and I know about Christmas, about Jesus' birth? Just think about it. Just think about this announcement that was made 2,000 years ago. It was made in Palestine. Do you know, that's like making an announcement in Pofadar. Do you guys know what Pofadar is? <laughs> Palestine was the back end of the world, of the Roman world of that day. This announcement was made to shepherds. Now, shepherds are not leaders. They are nobodies. They were in the field looking after their flocks. Wise men, we don't even know where these wise men come from. The announcement was made to them. But the most shocking part of the story is Mary. She's nobody. We know about Mary, but in those days nobody knew who this girl was. She was a no-name. Nobody knew all anything about her. If you stop and think about it, the fact that you and I are sitting here 2,000 years Later, knowing about this announcement made to Mary is an absolute miracle. It's no coincidence, though, because with this announcement, behind this announcement, came 
the biggest authority that there is, the highest office that there is, the highest power that there is. This announcement came all the way from the top. Now, we're going to read in Luke's Gospel about this announcement. Now, Luke's Gospel is just one of the four Gospels. If you look at your Bible, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. It's the four eyewitness accounts of what happened in that time. If you think about your Bible, the first bit is kind of the promise. This is where we read about the king coming. The middle bit is about him coming. And the last bit is about how he affected the world. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read Luke chapter 1. Now, the Bible is broken up into chapters to help us find it. 1, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. And then in those chapters, there's small little verses to help us find our way. So that if I say chapter 1, verse 31, you can actually look chapter 131 and finance. So that's what we're going to read. This eyewitness account of Luke. Now Luke was a doctor. He paid careful attention to detail. He went around investigating, interviewing people, asking them what happened, and he wrote that down so that you and I can actually read it for ourselves. So let's do that. Chapter 1, verse 31, and it says this. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and you will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And behold, those first two words, that's an announcement. That's the angel standing in front of Mary and says, Behold, your son is a royal son. Your son is called the son of the most high God. And will you notice, this son, his rule will be marked with greatness. So right off the bat, right off the bat, we have this bold announcement to nobody, to Mary. Mary, your baby is no ordinary baby. He's sent from heaven, from the highest authority. He is called the Son of the Most High God. The Most High God is his Father. Now, who is the Most High God, you might ask? Well, we look at the first bit of the Bible, the first part of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Tell us all about the Most High God. The Most High God is called Yahweh. That's his name in the Bible. He's the creator the one who made everything, the one who sustains everything. This Most High God has been active in history. He called a nobody called Abraham and said, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the sea, sand in the seashore. And when that people went into trouble, was in slavery in Egypt, what did he do? The Most High God used his unlimited power to rescue them. You think about the ten plagues, if you compare the ten plagues and look at them, that power that God has completely and utterly blew the Egyptian gods out of the ground. There was nothing they could, there's no candle that could hold them. So the Most High God comes and works in history. He also makes promises to this people. He says to this people, you guys are lots, but out of you one day will come a king, a king who I will call my Messiah, my Christ, that's another word for king. And his job 
will be to bring you guys home. So Mary, behold, your baby is appointed by this may, this most high God to be his leader. Everything about this little baby coming shows us where he comes from. The miraculous virgin birth, one of those things. This baby is no ordinary baby, Mary. He is the son of the most high God. So behold, Mary, behold every one of us sitting here today, hearing this announcement ourselves, that Jesus is truly God who became man, stepping down into this world in order to take us home. This baby comes from the highest authority there is. There is no one above. He comes right from the top. That's the first part of this bold proclamation, this announcement. And the question for you and I is quite simple. What do we do? What do you do in this announcement? You can either accept or reject. Think about the Lion King. Think about Rufigi. Rufigi, Rufigi, come on, help me, Rufigi. Yes, there we go. The monkey holding up the lion, the baby Simba. What was he saying to Scar? Scar, behold, here's the king. You can either accept him or reject him. We know what Scar did. But that's what Luke is doing. Luke is saying to us, the angel comes and says this bold proclamation, behold, the baby the king who comes all the way from the top. God himself sent this little baby. He is God himself. So that's the first part of the mandate. That's the first part of this proclamation that we read there in Luke's gospel. The second one is actually much more problematic for us. The second one is all about what this king has come to do, his mandate. What did King Jesus come to do with this unlimited power that he has. Now, we know that all, that, that, that story full, full well. Leadership promises us the world. As soon as leadership gets into power, you see what they do with that power. You see their heart. After they get the power, you see their heart. So the question is, what's Jesus going to do with that power? What's his mandate? Well, the angel tells us it's part of the announcement. Let me read for you again in verse 31. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. What is Jesus' mandate? It's wrapped up in that phrase, He's given the throne of his father. That throne has got a job. That seat of power has got a job. It's marked with greatness. Now, what is that job? What is that throne of David? Now, we have to go all the way back about 1,500 years before Jesus. We have King David, the greatest king of Israel, but also a failing king, failure. God comes to him and says, you fail. But after you, in your line, will one day come a king who is my son who will not fail. 
he will fulfill the job of this throne. He will succeed in this job. And this mandate, this job description that he will succeed in will be the most amazing things. By the way, we sang all those Christmas songs. Every Christmas song, Christian Christmas song at least, is dripping, is saturated with those amazing things that the king has come to do. Think about Silent Night. The one we just, the last song we sang. Silent Night talks about that night being a holy night. Talks about words like heavenly peace. This baby's going to bring heavenly peace. This baby is savior. And Lord at his birth. That Lord is all in capital. That's God at his birth. These songs are dripping with truths that come from God's word. Telling us all about who this king is. And if you stop and you look what this king is coming to do. There's a few words that come to mind. And I've picked just two of them. The one is he will usher in indescribable joy. And the other one is he will bring everlasting peace. You're bringing truth and righteousness and justice and all those things. But those are the two I'm going to look at. This king's reign, this baby, he will be marked by incredible joy. Indescribable joy. Now, if I had to ask you if you had a joyous morning, you probably would say mm, yes and no. Yeah. Why? Why? Even our best efforts to make Christmas morning joyous, there was always something there that bothered us. The world is not marked by joy all the time, is it? We try our best, but our best intentions sometimes lead to pain. And you ask yourself, what is going on? Well, the Bible tells us the world we're living in is broken. It's not the way God made it. And the reason it's broken is because of us, because of our sin, the Bible says. Because of our sin, suffering entered the world, a good world. And the chief suffering that entered this world is death. Something that every one of us can look forward to one day. Death. But Christmas is about this baby coming to rescue us from brokenness and suffering and chiefly from death. The last book in the Bible tells us about how things end. And in the end there, the second last chapter... Jesus is speaking from his throne. And he says this, and he, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. This baby, Jesus, at the end, behold, Mary will usher in indescribable joy because he will defeat our biggest suffering. He will fix what was broken by us. What does this king use his unlimited power for? To fix what we broke. To usher in real joy. Now, how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, the word I'm going to look at is everlasting peace. Jesus has come in ushering this everlasting joy, eternal joy, by bringing peace. Peace between who? Well, between us and the Father. Because of our sin. Why, why because of our sin, you might ask? Well, 
Let me explain. If sin is saying to God, stay away. I'm in charge. I'm not interested in anything you have to say. Well, God says, do you really want me to leave you alone? Do you really want me to separate myself from you? Because if I separate myself from you, everything I, all my good gifts come with me. It doesn't stay with you. Especially life. Eternal separation from God, the Bible tells us, is eternal death or death. Or another word is hell. Do you really want me to send you to hell? That's what God asks. Do you want me to stay away from you and leave you alone? That's what sin is. Sin is to God, I want to live my life my way. But this baby comes and says, I will be separated in your place. I will be sent away to hell in your place. Because of our sin, God's wrath was kindled, the Bible talks about. This baby says, comes and says, I will drink that cup of wrath in your place. That's what happened at the cross. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. To take away the sins of the world. To take that cup of wrath in our place. Christmas is a celebration of a baby coming to die. To die for us. So that there can be peace between us and God. Now I read Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. But verse 3, the verse before it talks about this, talks about God being with his people. Listen to this. I heard a loud voice from the throne, Jesus sitting on the throne, and he sang, behold, announcement again, the dwelling place with God is now with his people. They will be his people, and he will be their God, and there will be no more suffering and tears and mourning and crying and death because the former things have passed away. This baby has come to make the greatest reconciliation ever between mankind and God because of our sin. His mandate was to make peace at all costs, and it cost him everything to do that. If you want to look at a leader's heart, you see what he does. If you look at our leader, Jesus, the one we celebrate this morning, this baby's heart, what do you see? you see someone willing to give everything in order to bring you and me home? That is the king's mandate. And that is what those songs were dripping full of, saturated of. And I'm not even speaking about Jesus coming to bring in justice and righteousness in a world where people literally get away with murder. What does this king do with his unlimited power? Does he serve himself? No, he serves us, for God so loved us, the world, that he sent his son as a baby. So we have a picture of a leader that doesn't forge ahead and every five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour looks back and see who's following. No, we have a picture of a leader who's called a shepherd who goes in front and fights the enemy. He goes behind and make sure nobody is left behind. He's amongst his people to bind up the brokenhearted, to fix what is broken, to take us home. And again, the real question is, is he your leader? 
Why do so many of us reject this offer? I asked the old Christian once, and he used this illustration that's really profound for me. It really opened my eyes. Why are people so blind? He said, you know, Eddie, think about the Titanic sinking. People are, this is how blind we are when it comes to Jesus. The Titanic sinks, boom. Everybody's floundering around there in the water. The other ship, whatever the other ship was, comes and parks there and says, let's go. We're here to save you. You know what the people say? Our blindness? No, I'm fine. I'm swimming here. I'm having a whale of a time. No, no, no. You guys can go on ahead. I don't need you. I don't need rescuing. I'm having fun here in the water. Can't you see? We're all having fun. That's how blind we are. That's the picture of our blindness when it comes to Jesus. The angel stands in front of each one of us and he says, Behold, the king that has come from on high, the one that cannot come from a high authority, has come here to rescue and to save you. And we say either, yes, thank you, please, or no, stay away, I don't want you, I don't need you. Those are the two options. But that's not even the worst part of the announcement. The worst part comes in the, in, in the third bit. So we've got part one, come from on high. Second bit, he's come to rescue you. The third bit is the term of this king. How long will he rule? Now, if history is anything to go by, kingdoms only last for a small time, a short time. And then they come and then they're gone. But this one won't. If you read the end there, let me read from verse 31 again. Let me read for you. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. God's appointed king's term is forever. Now this concept, we don't really get it. Because we come and we go. But this announcement makes it crystal clear. Mary, your baby is king forever. How can this be? Well, Christmas is all about the baby coming. Easter is all about this baby dying and then raising to life, being raised to life again. That makes all the difference. Again, you have to ask yourself this question. This baby started his life in Pofader, in nowhere, with no parent, no, nobody parent. Their parents, nobody knows who their parents was. My sons use the word underwhelming. His coming was underwhelming. His death was underwhelming. He died on a cross, a crooked cross. Not a beautiful cross like we have today, a crooked cross. A criminal's death on a small hill in Palestine. If it wasn't for his resurrection from the dead, you and I would not sit here today and celebrate Christmas. But he did. And his kingdom is forever. Behold, Mary, your baby is forever. And today there is no place on the face of the earth where human beings walk 
that this baby's coming isn't celebrated today. This has profound implications for you and I. There's two places we can go to forever. Either inside the kingdom with the king or outside the kingdom without the king. Don't miss the warning of Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. We sing the songs. We eat the food. Beautiful baby in a manger. But there's a warning. Hear those words. This is words from Isaiah that we sing about. And you know it so well. For to us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We sing that song. Those truths comes out of our mouths. But do we hear it? Behold, this angel says, this announcement is, this baby has come to take you home. Don't miss it. He comes all the way from the top. His mandate is to make peace and bring eternal joy. And his rule is forever. And so, that little monkey will stand before us holding up the baby and say, what will it be? What will it be? Will it be accepting this king? Or, no thank you, rejecting this king? The true message, God's grace, every single time Christmas comes, every time Easter comes, the grace of God is opened up to us again and reminded us of this amazing announcement. There's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be avoided at all cost. Why not today bow the knee? You know, I, as a young man, I was a young kid, I ran. I didn't want to hear this. I, I, it took me until I was quite old before the Lord got me to my knees and confronted me and said to me, Eddie, there's a choice to be made. You can avoid this choice your whole life, but that's not good. Today is a day that you had to make that choice. I was an old man, and I'm very thankful the Lord brought me to that point. Some people come to that point over a period of time. Some people might not be ready to make that decision just yet. But that's the choice ahead of each one of us. There's no one who's going to escape that. So, let me end by saying this. Why not today run towards Jesus? Ask him to help you instead of running away from him and ignoring him. That would be appropriate way to answer. What would be appropriate way to answer? Appropriate way to answer is to say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand what on earth is going on here. I don't even believe half these things. But something has happened in me. I know you are truly the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and help me to trust you. So I'm going to pray that prayer for us. And it might not be a prayer for you. It might be a prayer for you. But on this Christmas day, why don't you take this opportunity to run towards the Lord Jesus instead of away from him? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that today we can celebrate your coming. And when we read this Bible, Lord, we don't really understand everything. We struggle with so many things, so many doubts, so many fears. But please, Lord Jesus, will you help us see who you are? Will you help us see that you came from heaven to take us home? And that your rule is forever, never to be taken away. 
Help us turn to you and run towards you and trust in you and not reject you today. And I pray this in your name. Amen.